related to this investigation. The, again, the investigation is called Targeted. That's the name of it um, by the Tampa Bay Times. Uh, the sheriff's office pursues those people even when there's no evidence of a new crime. Former deputies told the Times they were ordered to harass people on the target list by visiting their homes repeatedly and looking for reasons to write tickets and make arrests. One in 10 of the people targeted have been teenagers. So yeah, it was definitely, you know, former deputies literally speaking to these journalists to let them know that, yes, we had orders to target these people. Uh, and when I say these people, minors, right? Minors. That's crazy to me. And so, uh, so it's a great piece of reporting. We're going to continue talking about it on the flip end, uh, on the other end of this NPR break. Uh, you've been tuning into the Urban Cafe on WMF 88.5, over 40 years radioactive. Uh, you can call us at 813-239-9663, text us at 813-433-0885, or email us at dj at wmnf.org. We'll be right back. Live from NPR News, I'm Giles Snyder. With the G7 summit in southwestern England wrapping up today, President Biden is talking with reporters right now. He says recovering from the pandemic was a top priority at the meeting, and a joint statement is out in which leaders pledge to give one billion vaccines to developing countries, half from the U.S., half from the other nations. The communique also calls out China over its human rights abuses. NPR's Franco Ordonez reports. How aggressively to confront China has been a sticking point between G7 leaders. Some of them worry about damaging crucial economic ties with the Chinese government. But Biden officials told reporters that leaders now seem ready to call out China's malign practices, including human rights violations and non-market economic practices. The officials wouldn't say whether leaders would name China in their final joint statement of the summit. That comes out Sunday. So far, the G7 leaders have agreed to donate vaccines to less developed countries and also help with big infrastructure projects to counter China's Belt and Road Initiative. Franco Ordonez. NPR News, Cornwall, England. To Austin, Texas now. One person has been arrested in connection with a shooting in the city's entertainment district. Fourteen others were wounded. Police still looking for another suspect, as Nathan Bernier reports from member station KUT. Details are sparse, but Austin police, with help from the FBI, combed through reams of video footage gathered from police surveillance cameras, officer body cams, and the cell phones of witnesses. That's what helped lead to the arrest of a suspect in connection with the shooting in Austin's busy 6th Street Entertainment District. Police Chief Joseph Chacon says they don't have a motive, but believe it was an isolated incident between two groups of people. Most of the victims were innocent bystanders, but we're still sorting out all of the victims to see what their involvement is in this case. Police say when the shooting took place, the crowd was at pre-pandemic levels and filled 6th Street. For NPR News, I'm Nathan Bernier in Austin, Texas. Mass shootings in Austin as well as in Chicago and Savannah, Georgia, stoking concerns about a spike in gun violence. Talks aimed at restoring the 2015 nuclear deal with Iran resumed this weekend with the U.S. delegation participating indirectly as in previous rounds. NPR's Peter Kenyon reports a European Union spokesman called the talks intense with a number of issues still remaining. The EU foreign policy chief, Enrique Mora, has said he thinks a deal could be reached among all parties, including Iran and the U.S., in this round. But others are less sure of that. Iranian state media quote the lead Iranian negotiator as downplaying any expectation that the talks would finish before Iran holds a presidential election on Friday. The direct talks include Iran, Russia, China, the U.K., France, and Germany, with the U.S. delegation located elsewhere and being briefed by Mora. Iran began violating some parts of the agreement after former President Donald Trump pulled out of the deal. 
Peter Kenyon, NPR News, Istanbul. And this is NPR News. Rescue efforts are ongoing in the central Chinese city of Xinjiang, where the explosion of a gas line today killed at least a dozen people. City officials say more than 150 people were taken to hospitals, and state media say at least 37 have critical injuries. State and local leaders, along with representatives of the One Pulse Foundation, marked five years. Since 49 people were killed when a gunman opened fire at a nightclub in South Orlando, Florida. Danielle Pryor of member station WMFE reports on this weekend's remembrance. Orlando TV anchor Nancy Alvarez, who hosted the first vigil five years ago, just days after the shooting, took the stage outside the former gay nightclub and told the crowd to look for rainbows. Alvarez went on to explain that every year since the 2016 shooting, a rainbow had appeared in the sky during the yearly memorial. If you see a rainbow, Shout it out, point it out, stop the ceremony, do what you got to do, because that will be our 49 saying, presente. Sure enough, five minutes later to the chords of the song This Is Me from The Greatest Showman, a rainbow appeared in the sky as the crowd made up of residents and families of victims and survivors cheered. For NPR News, I'm Danielle Pryor in Orlando. The Westminster Dog Show working its way toward the top prize. Four finalists were chosen yesterday. Three more will be selected tonight before the group of seven dogs compete in the best in the best in show competition. Westminster usually held in February, but it was moved out as a uh, pandemic precaution. I'm Giles Snyder. This is NPR News. Support for NPR comes from NPR stations. Other contributors include the Langloth Foundation, supporting justice, equity, and opportunity for all people to foster and sustain safe and healthy communities. Learn more at langloth.org and the listeners who support this NPR station. Welcome back. Oh, yeah, man. Welcome back to the Urban Cafe on WMNF 88.5, over 40 years radioactive. And so we are talking here this morning, uh, at least right now, about uh, the great investigation uh, called Targeted uh, that received a Pulitzer, uh, Pulitzer Award this past Friday for the Tampa Bay Times their 13th award and their third for local reporting. And this investigation was about um, how the Pasco County Sheriff's Department used uh, school database information to target individuals who they thought could potentially be future criminals. And uh, it's just absolutely incredible um, to think about this. I do have a video clip that I'm going to play real quick here. It's a collage of... Uh, body camera footage from uh, Pasco County Sheriff's Department um, going to individual houses and basically knocking on their doors and following up with them uh, because they were on this uh, blacklist, so to speak. Let's go ahead and uh, hear this collage. Hey, well, I'll give it the good old knowledge knock for some of y'all chance of like sleeping here or some shit. Sheriff's office. You need Rio? Yep. She's nice, I promise. Hey, bro. Just come and say hi to Rio. Is he home? Yeah. No, he's yeah. uh, with his mom. You need Rio? Yeah. Uh, officer, I want to talk to you, Rio. We're just here to say hi to Rio. Hey, Rio, what's going on, buddy? Bye, we chit chat for a couple minutes. Happy New Year. 2020. And so there you have it. That's a collage of just one ch- uh, child, because he's a minor, uh, who 
over and over and over again, the sheriff's department knocked on his door. Like, I'm sorry, at least 21 times between this at September and January. And, uh, and then so the article quotes, Rio and his family didn't understand why. Even the deputies conceded he only had one charge on his record from when he and some friends stole two motorized bikes. He already had a probation officer checking in on him for that. The deputies told him to stop hanging out with his bad friends. Uh, and uh, the department has told the Times that Rio wasn't a gang. Rio says he was not. We're the ones that know the most because we're the ones that deal with you guys. So we know that you don't deal drugs. And we know you only have this one charge on you right now. But we also know that you associate with these clowns, like he said, that do stupid stuff all the time. And so, unfortunately, like I said, guilty by association is the word of the day or the phrase of the day. So stop being in police reports that have these other kids' names in it, and you'll probably stop seeing us. Right? We can't tell you who to hang out with. But But we can tell you what's going to happen if you hang out with certain people. We'll be coming to your door to have chit-chats with you. And there you have it. And so there you have it, uh, directly from uh, police uh, body camera footage. So we do have a caller. Let's get to a caller here real quick. Uh, good morning, caller. What is your name and where are you calling us from? Hey, how you doing? Doing good, doing good, sir. How you doing today, Billy? I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine here. So I'm sure I was I was waiting for your call. I figured you would have some thoughts on this, huh? Oh, oh yeah. In fact, I believe we uh, I had written an article on this and stuff. And um, I had uh, this is some time ago. This is uh, um. When when that article that was that that was Sir Chris Norco I think his name was correct and, yes it is right and I ended up getting a call <laughs> from who because you know, yeah if you go to this uh, but who did you get a call from it was from the it was from that Pasco County Sheriff's Department and it was just one time and I don't you know that and um. They never, you know. It, it, what what did what did they say, Billy? Like, what were they asking? They just they asked me, you know, who I was, and then I simply said, you know, I don't talk to anybody on the phone. I don't know who this is, you know, and stuff like that. And I just hung up the phone. That was the end of it. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. interesting. You no, know, I didn't. Uh, um, uh, Billy, you live in Pasco County? No, 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 no. Live in Tampa. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wrote an article. In fact, I'm trying to get your web, your Facebook, and post it on there and stuff. I don't see you guys on there this week. Yeah, we're not on there this week. Yeah, sorry. Uh, on, on the Pasco, but I'll tell you what, I'll put it on your. Uh, you can uh, uh, post it. Uh, post it up there. What do you put it on? Review or learn or. Um, like the comment section or anything like that. Just uh, you can put it on a review. That's fine. A review, okay, I'll just put it right there. And so when did you publish this article? This was about, uh, right after it was in the Tampa Bay, it was written by uh, Alex, I forget, uh, North, who, who wrote, whoever wrote it, let me, let me go back to it here, wrote it, I just, what I did was, I uh, had put some comments about it in terms of dealing with the miseducation, and the article, the, the 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 incident, so reminded me of uh, what uh, the the purpose of uh, you know of of, uh, of what was happening, what had happened in South Africa. 
how we control when you control a person's knowledge and education that uh, they were you can you can control what type of uh, jobs they get and that sort of thing and um, uh, so I added some things to it and then I alerted some friends that I was putting a this article on it and apparently got uh, it got it it got to them and stuff but uh, and it was that it was in that I remember seeing it in the uh, Sun here it is right here let me pull this up right here real quick it was in the Sunday morning here here it is the past keep secrets of kids mm-hmm. is written by Neil Beatty yeah. and Kathy McCory yep and which is you know that, those are the the journalists who won that Pulitzer yeah right. Beautiful so. because I put down there miseducation of a targeted population plays an essential component in maintaining dominance. Yep. The Bantu Education Act was to ensure that blacks would have only just enough education to work with uh, as unskilled laborers. Interesting. The criticism that I had, and, and if you looked at the, the, the article, it said the importance, and it deals with Verbord, Verbord, they. Prime Minister of South Africa. Okay. He says we are just- Billy, Billy, we do have to we do have to continue on though. Right, here. right, right, right. Right. But th- but okay. thank you so much for the call. We do appreciate it. Yes, sir. Okay. Th- thank you so much. Thank you so much, Billy. Oh, well, thank right. you. And so I'm I'm continuing here from so the sheriff's department in Pasco was obviously, you know, they, they did respond and they provided some pretty lengthy responses. Mm-hmm. Uh and so, you know, the the f- First memo that the uh, that the Times received from Pasco Sheriff uh, basically said that um, one of the pros of the program is that overall property crime had reduced since 2011. But then when the Times reviewed the same state law enforcement data, they found that property crimes across the eight largest law enforcement agencies in the Tampa Bay area had declined at similar rates. And more importantly. Uh, it turns out that crime had uh, property crime for the entire state had decreased during that same time frame, right? So you can't say that this pro- intelligence gathering program led to a reduction in property crime in Pasco County when basically there's other similar law enforcement agencies not using this predictive analytics program and they still also saw a reduction in property crime. But then go, but going back to what Jamal is saying, violent crime was the out of the eight largest. Uh, law enforcement agencies in the Tampa Bay area, Pasco County was the only one that saw an increase in violent crime at that in that same period. Well, yeah, because it's Hillsborough County in the article, you know, it says also Hillsborough County is using this um, counterintelligence, as, you know, as well. But they're looking at high crime areas, I guess, identifying repeat offenders for like serious crimes, mm-hmm. which I. I would see they're not tapping like, into a Department of Education database to identify potential future criminals. And they're not going to a 15-year-old's house 20 yeah. times in like three, four months to worry about. It, it, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, if you have a 30-man department, $2.8 million, I don't want them going to a 15-year-old's house. I want them trying to figure out who's trying to murder who next. They need to be playing, you know, that game yeah. as a kid you played, um, murder or something with the 
something somebody had the wrench in this room yes, or something. Yes, they yes, need yes, to be yes. trying to figure that out. Yeah, exactly. And so we do have another caller again, a very uh, uh, passionate subject here. I'm really glad um, you know we can talk about this local reporting and just something that's absolutely appalling in my opinion that occurred. And we'll see what the Department of uh, Education finds out regarding any possible federal viol- law violations to federal statutes or federal laws. Um, good morning, caller. What is your name and where are you calling us from? Hey, Chris Steiner, one more time on this issue. Hey, Chris. Is it, you know, this is harassment. Um, I would try to get a restraining order, but, uh, you know, they say the cops can do anything, but that's not true. And, you know, it's, uh, what the children are doing is free association that's protected by the First Amendment. And uh, it's important to know in defending yourself in cases like this that, or, you know, when it goes to court as well, um, of course, is to say that, uh, you know, the point out cases like, Miranda v. Arizona, you've probably heard of Miranda rights, where people, you know, before they question you, they should read you your rights, that anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. Well, that case also says the claim and exercise of a constitutional right cannot be converted into a crime. And there are several other cases like that, um, like Miller v. U.S. 1939. Uh, you know, basically, you can't say that a, a right is now a crime. And uh, you know, people need to get their camera. Sorry, sorry, Chris. Go. Ahead. Sorry, Chris. That was my my bad. All right. Oh, go ahead. Um, people keep people can take their old cell phones and and connect them to their Wi-Fi to make them uh, streaming cameras. You know, have an inexpensive oh. surveillance system with a Chris. Free app. J- Chris, I Jamal, want to interrupt you. I yeah. want to ask you about that. You because I'm not sure if you heard the show, but. There was a county in Florida that already went to appeals court where a woman used a a phone, I believe it was like 2009, and they said that using that phone when the officer told her not to use that phone, camera phone, was an obstruction of the officer's investigation. So they've... They've tackled that. That's going to be interesting coming up. That was, what, a, that was a local... This, uh, like the, the state... That was um, no. That would be on the appellate level. So at the at, state level, or was yeah, it, the state okay. level it hasn't gone to the Supreme Court yet of yeah. Florida. But Chris, I wanted to get your thoughts on that regarding um, the the right to video. Yeah. So so again, yeah. just to repeat, there, you know, Jamal is saying that you know there's already precedents precedents that a a law enforcement agency uh, was in the right when they told a lady she could not record them. Right. The other cases, I know the Supreme Court cases that say that unless you're actively resisting, obstructing, and opposing a law enforcement officer, then it's not resisting them just because you don't follow their order. And, you know, I know that they often uh, threaten uh, and prosecute their people, charge people with wiretapping as if you're, you know, getting covertly uh, some conversation. But, um, you know, there's also Florida statutes I know that says that uh, you know, if you have surveillance cameras, um, there it's not considered voyeurism. You know, if it's um, if uh, you know, there is a there is voyeurism. You know, where basically you're looking or videotaping where you shouldn't be. But um, if the the statute, Florida statute, says that if their camera is obvious, conspicuous, or there's a surveillance sign, then it's okay. You know, so. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm sure that would get dicey in, in certain situations, not like not this one. But um, you know, when it when it comes to officers doing that, they do that all the time. And I I've often had to tell them, look, I'm streaming live on the web, so 
you can't destroy the evidence if, if you want to just take the camera away, delete the, you know, they'll often tell people delete the video or else I'll arrest you or after they've arrested them. So there are all these strategies people can use with technology. Another one is, um, you know, say you have uh, an old-fashioned uh, digital camera and take the memory chip, um, you know, have an extra memory chip handy so that if you record something, you can uh, put in another memory chip if you have the opportunity. And if it, that gets But that's, that's so, to me, it's just, I mean, I understand where you're coming from, but like the fact that we even have to think about that, that I have to carry an extra memory chip in case I'm harassed. Right. It could be worth a civil rights lawsuit worth uh, tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah, but, but it's, it's just, it's so sad to me to think, Chris, that we live in a society that we have to think about these things, right? That's crazy. I know there's uh, there are people better at it than I am, but um, you know I'm, I have more studying to do. There's another good strategy is that uh, if they tell you to delete something and on your phone, say you've already been arrested and you have no reason to record anymore, um, go ahead and uh, delete it. But then don't record anything else on the phone or on the device because then you can plug that device into a computer later on to retrieve it. It'll just, the data is still there. When you delete something, it just deletes the index or the block. Okay. You know, it makes it so the device can't find it. But the Thank you, Chris. There. Chris, so we do... don't record anything after that, the okay. data will still be there. Thank you, Chris. And we do have to get to another caller here, but thank you so much for calling in. We appreciate it. Well, I want to let people know real quick, uh, you know, a lot of the activism um, on the videotaping end uh like photography is not a crime as a website and other uh, cop watch websites okay. are a link to on my website at on um, the blogs page at theliberationstation.com and that's my radio show I'm just starting up again this coming Tuesday on the uh, six Florida stations if you want to check that out all right thank you Chris appreciate that thank you. thanks you have a good day and so uh, you're listening to the Cafe on WMNF 88.5 we're getting ready for the Sunday forum with Walter and the fourth estate uh, coming up here in a few um, minutes. And then uh, we're discussing right now the excellent um, j journalistic, uh, how would you call this? Just basically Pulitzer Prize winning investi investigation. Yeah, it's, it's, it's investigation to figure out what was going on. I mean, it's absolutely incredible. And so so what, what, are, what are some of the uh, outcomes of this? So uh, one of them I mentioned was the U.S. Department of, Edu of Education has opened an investigation uh, into uh, seeing if Pasco School District broke federal law by sharing private student information. Uh, and also, it's funny enough, uh, in some of the responses that the Pascos County School District provided to uh, the uh, journalists doing this investigation, they actually included private details of minors in some of these in some of their own responses, uh, which is just uh, just terrible to me. Like the basically the rights of minors was completely violated, in my opinion. We'll see if the, if, uh, the courts ultimately decide that. Uh, a, another outcome of this investigation is a group of thirty national and state organizations have come together to oppose Pasco County School District's practice of sharing information with the Pasco County Sheriff's Office. Uh, the Pasco Co Coalition, People Against the Surveillance of Children and Over-Policing, is the latest group to speak out about the relationship. Uh, and, you know, in April, the Department of Education indicated that they were going to start that investigation. Uh, four lawsuits. Four lawsuits. And then there's also a law... A law a, a lawsuits by former 
deputies who were fired, they, or they say that they were targeted. And these are the same deputies that some of these deputies participated in interviews for this investigative uh, piece. And uh, those same deputies are suing Pasco County Sheriff for wrongful termination. And so just a lot of moving pieces going here. Uh, the coalition here uh, that is going after the Pasco School District includes the Southern Poverty Law Center, the national NAACP, so not the local, the national, uh, as well as the Pasco County chapter, uh, and the Florida Social Justice in School Projects and more. Um, it's just, you know, pointing to the to Department of Education data, the coalition said the school district's racial disparity makes the sheriff's program dangerous. Black students make up 7% of the student population, but are 23% of students expelled by the district. Uh, it's uh, pretty crazy. So we do have another caller here. Let's get to this caller. Uh, caller, we do need to keep it short. We're coming up on the end of the show here. Good morning, caller. What is your name or where are you calling us from? Hey, it's Clay from Land O'Lake. Hey, Clay. How you doing, sir? All right, living in Pasco since 1988, and our sheriff, he's, oh, he's the greatest guy in the world, I tell you. <laughs> the, the St. Peter, or the, back when it was the St. Peter's Times, they did a thing on him when he bought his MRAP. It had a rash of break-ins in a neighborhood uh, in uh, people's cars. So he got his MRAP, and he went and drove it through the neighborhood, saying, we're, we're going to fight crime, we're going to fight crime. How is the MRAP going to help that? I mean, that's just the kind of stupid thing he does. And the logos on, uh, you know, you see on sheriff's cards it says to serve and protect. You know what the logo says on Pasco's what? card? We fight as one. That's what it says? Interesting. Whoa. That says a lot about that. Yeah. No? And then there's uh, there's also this thing you're talking about, their um, uh, intelligence department. Their intelligence department was actually started uh, back in the beginning with, with uh, NOCO for monitoring social media. They monitor social media 24-7 for specific groups like Black Lives Matter, you know, looking for, uh, uh, it, it was it was funny back when we were doing, um, or not funny really, because back when we were doing uh, uh, Occupy Newport Ritchie, the, they would always, always be where we were going before we got there. And that's because everyone kept using social media. I had to tell them, stop using the social media. And haven't you figured out yet? They're, they're watching it. So they've been doing this for a while. That's that's crazy to me. And, and I get I get. I understand the possible need for having an intelligence apparatus, but I mean, uh, Jamal was just saying, uh, what's the population of Pasco right now? It's over like 550,000. So, I mean, do you really need an intelligence operation for a population of a half a million people? Like, I don't know. Like, do we have insurgents amongst our mist in Pasco County? No. Like, this is to your point, Clay, right? They're targeting these specific individuals. It's just absolutely terrible to me that they, this is happening here in our own country. Uh, it doesn't surprise me, but it, it's still ter terrible nonetheless. What else happened in Pasco is we have an organization called SCARS, and we had reported to them that these people were leafleting um, uh, the Hudson area with uh, leaflets for a KKK rally that they were having. And that there were actually two Pasco sheriffs that were part of this. And we were, first off, you, you can't stick leaflets in somebody's mailbox. That's a federal crime, which is what they were doing. We, had, we got a couple of them brought the sheriff's attention, and that's the kind of thing they should be investigating. These are people that, you know, are dangerous people. They've proven themselves to be dangerous people. And here they're having a rally, and then we find out through social media that there are two Pasco sheriff's deputies who are involved in this. And so there you have it. Well, Clay, thank you so much for calling into the show this morning. We appreciate it. 
Police and Thieves be upon you. I'm glad you did this show. It's a, it's a great thing to get it out there. And I do wonder if anybody else is doing anything like that around the country. Uh, yeah, with that, we would have to. Hopefully, there's some other great, um, you know, newspapers out there, news organizations uh, doing this kind of investigation. So, thank you, Clay, for calling in this morning. Okay, please be fun. Stay healthy. Same to you. And so there you have it. So we're coming up at the end of today's show, uh, the Urban Cafe. Uh, I highly encourage you all to to take a look at this phenomenal investigative reporting done by the Tampa Bay Times called Targeted. Uh, really an eye-opener here. Go ahead. Yeah, and there's even problems in the GOP because uh, March 12th, um, U.S. Representative Matt Gates said, I don't... I don't care that he's that it is being done by a GOP sheriff. The DeSantis should consider removing the Pasco sheriff. And there you have it. From you know the 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 GOP standard, uh, Matt Gates. <laughs> so it's interesting. You know, uh, here's some of the other fallout uh, uh, that came out from this investigation. Uh, a National Philanthropic Foundation cut off funding to Pasco schools because of concerns with its data sharing practices with the sheriff's office. Uh, civil liberty groups quickly denounced the sheriff's intelligence gathering programs and promised to take more action. Uh, thirty, you know, the thirty national and state organizations um, formed that coalition uh, to oppose the sheriff's office use of st- student data. Uh, Florida lawmakers, although I don't think either of them passed, but Florida mar- lawmakers did propose two bills in the most recent uh, state legislative session uh, that ended not too long ago uh, to curb policing tactics used by sheriff's offices. And so we'll see what happens. Uh, we'll continue to cover this story here. Uh, again, kudos to the Tampa Bay Times. And thank you to all our callers here this morning. We had a ton of callers, uh, very passionate subject here about this intelligence gathering of minors and um, you know, I hope we see better days. Yeah. And, and so with that being said, this is your host, Joshua, Jamal the Consiglieri. You want to say goodbye? Oh, yeah. See you guys later, Tampa Bay. And thanks for the awesome show. All right. So we're getting ready for the Sunday Forum with Walter and the Fourth Estate coming up. Uh, shout out to them and the crew. This is it's been real. Thank you so much. Good luck to the Lightning. Game one, Eastern Conference Finals today. Uh-huh.